welcoming, finally, the coming of spring. It's only a month late. Welcome to Hunter's Pod. Angels have just gone past outside during the theme tune, um, or I like to think they are anyway. Uh, I'm Sam Kelly, welcome to episode 204 of the internet's finest English language Argentine football podcast, um, at least the finest one that's being recorded in this living room this evening. Um, I'm joined this week by English Dan. Hello and welcome. And Andres. Hello. Welcome back, gents. Um, we should mention before we get going, as we always do, that we are supported very generously by the Argentina Independent, who are a fine English-language source of news, current affairs, cultural bits and pieces, and lots of other things, uh, both in Argentina and across Latin America. You can read them free of charge on argentinaindependent.com and follow them on Twitter at Argentina Indy. That's Argentina, I-N-D-Y. We thank them very much indeed for the fernet that we are currently enjoying. Mm-hmm. And now, on with last weekend's classified football results from the Argentine Primera. Classified like they're a secret? Or Pardon? They're a secret? No, no, I'd just oh. like to uh, hark back to the days when the, the classified results got read out on BBC. Ah, oh. oh, that's true. Why were they called on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, why were they called classified? I presume because they were the official sanctioned mm. ones. I don't know. I'm not trying to suggest that uh, they're not official until they get read out on hand of pot, of course, but, well... There's something. There's some truth in that, I reckon. Perhaps there is. Huracan 3, Samiento 0, and Crucero del Norte 0, Well, I don't know what Ooh. I was trying to say there. 0, Independiente 4... I think I was combining nil and four. I was getting ahead of myself. Um, Those were the two results on Friday. On Saturday, I hope you're sitting down. Nueva Chicago, five. Newell's Old Boys, nil. Yes, you heard that correctly. Atletico de Rafaela, one. Godoy Cruz, four. Colón de Santa Fe, three. Arsenal de Sarandí, one. San Martín de San Juan, one. Belgrano de Córdoba, one. Estudiantes de la Plata, four. Quilmes, one. Lanús, nil. Vélez Sarsfield, one. Uh, on Sunday, Olimpo 2, San Lorenzo de Almagro 1, Rosario Central 2, Argentinos Juniors 0, Tigre 3, Banfield 1, River Plate 1, Aldo Civi 1, Racing Club 3, Boca Juniors 1, Defensa Justicia 0, Union 0 on Monday, and Tempele 1, Gimnasia y Grima La Plata 3 on Tuesday afternoon because it was supposed to kick off on Monday but there was a massive power cut in Tempele and it couldn't take place because they didn't have any floodlights um, and as far as I am concerned the, the, the tickets or I know where there are tickets in Tempele of is in most of the other teams they have the socios and they get all the tickets but uh, they could get, get their money back right or Probably. Most likely. Because uh, well, it was played pretty yeah, pretty it was played at 5 o'clock and yes. on the Tuesday afternoon, so I suppose yeah, people would have been at work as opposed mm-hmm. to the 9 o'clock it was scheduled for originally. Um, surprisingly, 
it is only the second highest scoring round of this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, 48 goals in total. The highest scoring was round five, but there were 49 goals. Um, any games that particularly stood out, gents? We shall obviously talk about harassing Boca um, in uh, a few minutes' time. That was a very fun one. game, I'll admit. Uh, well, you got to look at Chicago's shellacking of, of news to, to give them the race uh, to stay up. They're a little bit unlucky that Colón also pulled out one of their best performances of the season, but now it's fantastic from, from Chicago, and I think. You yeah, could just, almost say that it was Colón's only half-competent performance of the season so far. Yeah, um, best, Chicago, only competent. And Alejandro Gagliardi in particular were, was absolutely unplayable. He scored four goals. He got his pocket. Is it uh, the fourth, the third player, sorry, to do that so far in Argentina this year? The other two, of course, are players who are no longer playing in Argentina. Fernando Cabanaki against Atletico de Rafaela, who's now in Cyprus, and oh, I've forgotten no, who the other one was. Um, I've forgotten who the other one was, but it's somebody else who has since moved abroad who did it in the first half of the year. Um, well done them. Well done Chicago to to keep alive they went temporarily just two points behind Colón with of course two matches to go and Colón hadn't scored a goal in five matches and had only scored one in their previous seven um, and then as Dan says pulled something out of their ass they were 2-0 up after 13 minutes at home to Arsenal 3-0 up after 24 minutes and then just very comfortably saw the match out mm-hmm. so those two games really really big because there was a point where we were Wondering now whether, having said for several weeks that Chicago are definitely doomed, it looked just for a while, given how how poor Colon's form was, like Chicago might actually be able to turn something around here. I think that now, with that Colon win, they probably are. Down. Also, with the Huracan win, which the, you know Huracan was sort True, of down yeah, there. And, I mean, yeah. Colon were the the team well, that they could definitely thing, reach, but I think you're right. Huracan on the other side, who mathematically I don't think can go down now. No, the, the one that is not mathematically okay. saved is okay. Temple. Yes, ah. Temple. They, they lost against the uh, yeah. Gymnasia. Now they are, have six points ahead of, yeah. of in Chicago. In fact, it's five. Yeah. In fact, Oracan or- oh, can still be caught. If Oracan lose both of their remaining matches and, or- and Chicago win both of their remaining matches, um, then those two teams, and also Temple are on 29 points as well. So, yeah, you're right. Sorry, Andres, it is oh. six points, the difference. Um, so the results with those would, would mean that they'd have to go into a playoff Colón are 28 behind, so if Colón lose both of their remaining games and Chicago win both of theirs, um, then Colón would go down. Um, but if Colón were only two points ahead, yeah, I'd, I'd be very be tempted to say that I think Chicago were going to stay up, but unfortunately for Chicago, Colón are now five points ahead. Um, an interesting Saturday afternoon all the same, particularly with all the goals flying in everywhere. It was not a particularly good weekend, it must be said, for Mystic Sam. Uh, <laughs> who got both? Oh, there good weekends for uh, Mystic Sam. Who, who I believe got both of Friday's games right. There was uh, by the end of Saturday, definitely I had two correct, and then I got both of the matches that were scheduled for Monday correct. So the one that took place on Monday and the one that took place on uh, on Tuesday, I got both of them right. Um, in between, I didn't get any, so I finished the weekend with four out of fifteen, um, and finally having rescued some some dignity with those last two correct in a row. Um, but there were certainly plenty of goals. One of the ones that I did get right was Independiente, who got a 4-0 win away from Crucero del Norte. Crucero del Norte, for some reason, were playing in their own stadium, oh. um, having announced, obviously, at the very start of the year that they were going to play at home to River and at home to Independiente. But it makes sense uh, to be at their team just to say goodbye to their 
supporters because uh, it was first thought to make uh, more to 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 grab more supporters. Uh, yeah, the famous neutral fans that can go. Yes, but now they are already rele relegated, so it was no sense to play at Chaco at Resistencia. Yeah. No, absolutely. I just um, I was quite struck by the because I mean the whole idea they were trying to do it was just to make money in the first place, and so I wasn't really expecting them to do something that uncynical, particularly given uh, the way that uh, the way that they treated lots of their players and their squad and whatnot throughout the the second half, particularly of this season, laying players off left, right, and centre. Um, but they got absolutely thrashed by Independiente, um, who were very good indeed. Diego Vera was superb, scoring twice. Um, and just generally, without really breaking sweat, though, it must be said. Um, so Independiente at first at the Big Five, who we deal with. We'll deal, I think, pretty quickly, really, with River, um, who put out a... It wasn't sort of fully reserve side. It was a very mixed, wasn't it? It was in goal, Barrovero. Across the back, Machada, second string, Mercado at centre back, which is a second string choice as well, even though he normally starts, but he normally starts at right back. Uh, Balanta at centre back, Casco, so the left hand side of the defence was first choice. Then Sanchez, Cranavita, Lucho, Driussi. No, I think it's that's pushing it to say that's yeah, a second that, string uh, team. It's a first and a half. You're right, actually, yeah, now I'm looking at it. It's, uh, there are maybe three or four players who are fringe of the first team and the rest of it is a very strong yeah. 11 and they were held 1-1 by Aldo Sibi who I think were probably hanging on for the full time whistle by the end of the match because uh, uh, I think they'd have been very happy at the end to, to get the point the visitors but it must be said that River dominated the match but didn't look especially up for it it's the story of the second half of the season for exactly. River They've, it's been a pretty uh, surely second half of the season for them after winning the Libertadores of course Domestic. with their consideration in mind that yeah. they'll be focusing on continental cups because they are playing the quarterfinal of the uh, Copa Sudamericana in an hour and 20 minutes apparently it kicks off at 9 o'clock I thought it kicked off at quarter 2 so they'll be um, playing that just after we finish recording probably and I will be back at the end after the theme tune to tell you what the score is um, that's obviously the, the main priority for River but yeah but there's been some pretty, pretty mediocre results mm. ever since the Libertadores final. So I don't know if it's something you know unconscious that they've just you know since it's pretty obvious they're going for the Sudamericana they didn't have because you think after the Libertadores final they still had a, a not a great chance but a chance of of changing for the title well they had to get, they had two games in hand and if they won yeah. both of them they'd have been joint top and I think with and them going against Defensa Justicia and away and at home to San Martin I think mm -hmm. it was the other one um, so they had a very good chance of challenging for yeah. the title and I think was it those two games went, came and went and it was just yeah I, we'll take I, the off of the off the accelerator after winning the, the Continental Cup it's inevitable there's going to be a bit of a sort of holiday period and then mm -hmm. they're going to relax and, and, and so on and obviously in those terms, having the Libertadores finishing in the middle of a championship, uh, of a domestic championship, yeah. doesn't help at all. Having said that, the Libertadores, however Cognibol organise it, is always going to finish in the middle of one or the other country's domestic championship somewhere in South America. Um, yeah. And it's just a bit sort of... It's very easy for us to look at it Eurocentrically and, and say, you know, these players should be... Uh, <laughs> Tayse Sports, uh, which we have on muted in the background, are showing a lot of memes to do with Back to the Future, which is uh, certainly the thing that I have been most annoyed about. On the Sam doesn't like it, but I think that some of them are quite funny. Um, 
But uh, what was I saying? <laughs> Where was I going with this? It's very easy for us to look at this in a Eurocentric way and, and to, to say that these players should be you know, proper professionals and, and to want to win absolutely everything. But when they're growing up in, in an atmosphere of where the Libertadores is, is everything and where the league is, at least for River, I guess, so if, any, if anybody in Argentina could afford to... Uh, Menos presiar to, to sort of do down the league a bit, it, then it would be. We really have to recall bad. that before Gallardo was the coach, River had and won 35 local tournaments and only five continental mm. cups. So and now they have nine. So they uh, with in Isn't it like 13 with the with the new ones as well. Well, yeah, well <laughs> in, in one one year and a half to go from five to 14 just under Gallardo in a year. That'd yeah. be something. Oh, uh, you mean the ones that they um the Copa website? But yeah. Conmebol afterwards said that they haven't made those official. They just listed them as as what they were. So it was Fair no more official. I mean, in one year and a half, they won almost all the the number of titles they had. Mm. The River had won in one hundred years. So yeah. it is strong. It is ha- it is hard to come back and then and, and continue playing. I, I I mean, for for supporters, it's easy to demand to continue. The, the, the performance and, and to continue winning mm. and we are not there we are not with the players we are not with the, with the uh, all, everyday trainings and, and, and yeah, this is my question are we perhaps uh, thinking maybe a bit um, too machiavellically about this is it a case of River just leaving the Cups aside or is it because without Teo without Kavanagi these guys have left there has been a drop because I saw him against well, Liga Quito as well and it wasn't the same it wasn't the same team that won the Libertadores I don't think that, that, that Teo leaving has had too much of an effect because he wasn't really in that good a form for most of 2015 I mean he was key to River winning the Sudamericana last mm. year and the league and, and he scored I think one Important goal during that run in in the group stage to get it, to get them out to the Libertadores, but that was really, I mean, it wasn't as if he was on fire throughout the knockout stage. He wasn't on fire, but he's a, was, he's a striker you always have to watch. Yes, and um, no. I, I, I'd I'm say, not sure that he was uh, so much of a, a, a drop down as as you say, Ramiro Funes Mori. Fernando Cabanaki yeah. has affected the the strength of the squad that they put out in the league if they're putting out a second string attack and, and maybe putting out Rodrigo more, but, but telling him to take it easy yeah. certainly because when Cabanaki came in. He was adding that that quality, um, and so yeah. In terms of the overall squad depth, mm. although I uh, am inclined to uh, just ignore Teo, I would agree with this, the broader point of what you're saying. Yeah, that, that there's been a, a drop off certainly, mm-hmm. um, so which is again inevitable after the Libertadores and going into the Sudamericana. The Libertadores is the one that people want to hang around for, I guess. And then once that's yeah. off, then a lot of these players don't have a, much of an option either to, anyway, to well, take the uh, economic route. What I didn't like very much is Gachardo saying, well, we are not playing for anything in the tournament, which is true. You look at the table, uh, at the positions, and, and, and it's okay. And it is uh, comprehensive for, from him to, to say, we are not playing about uh, for nothing. But if you say that the public and to the well uh, the media you are saying you are admitting and you're like saying to the players well it's okay if you lose because we are we have all the detention put on the on the on the Copa Sudamericana and the mm. Club World Cup which is which has, has been talking about from since the other day that River won the Copa Libertadores it was uh, said well in December we will play against Barcelona and is of course is uh, is a mistake for me, but 
a harder mistake is to say we are not playing for we are playing for nothing. You no. you must not say that because it's like you're you're. We we were wondering or, or or I was wondering whether they were relaxed after winning such an important tournament like the Copa Libertadores and the four consecutive tournaments of the Conmebol all in a row. And, and, and I, I was asking or wondering whether they were relaxed, the players who were as if thinking on on, on, on the uh, international cuts, which are not so big in numbers for River. They have, now they have nine, uh, but they, they used to have five after uh, before 2014. Uh, and if you say something like that, you are like, uh, just, well, it's okay, you play but this, I won't I won't demand from you the, your best because mm. yeah. speaking of Gashada Gashada for a second I'm with two River fans horribly outnumbered what did you guys think about the omission of the coach from the from the FIFA best coaches list I was unaware that he'd been omitted until you said it just now well he was omitted I, I in favour no of us and Wenger I pay no attention to such things anyway fair Thanks enough um well, I, I think it, but I would agree that it, it seems like a it's all somewhat surprising oversight. Mm. It's weird to to for Simeone to be there and not Gashard perhaps because Simeone uh, has hasn't won an important title like Gashardo did, but it he's mm. at Euro he's in Europe and Gashardo is in South America. That's the thing. I mean, Independently that Carlos Sanchez was in the pre, pre mm-hmm. in the preview list. And now he's not, he isn't anymore. And of right. course, Tevez didn't make the final twenty-three for the Ballon d'Or, yes. which was yeah. also a big surprise. So yeah, I think uh, the only South American representative from on the coach inside of you was San Paoli. San Paoli, and you got him yeah, for yes. Chile. No, I mean South American based. Yes. Yeah, I mean I I say that it's um, a big omission. Andres calls it weird, but obviously we we do know ultimately why it happens yeah um, of course and, and that's something that uh, that we should be levelling the blame at the European press for and FIFA's Eurocentric and um, all the rest of it uh, which is no big secret and you've not heard that for the first time here on Handle Pod we don't uh, uh, claim to have the exclusive on this and don't but, get me started on yeah, that horrific omission of Gustavo Bo no obviously because that was just an excuse and let's see how a lot of I'm sure Oof. you'd agree as well the Wonder Bo the Wonder Bo Gustavo Bo was very very good having said that we were going to go very quickly through the River game because I thought it was pretty much a reserve game Uh, I'm not really sure why I thought that because I did watch it Um, we spent quite some time on it but we will now move on to the um, well no let's do the title race in the the order that the matches were played at the weekend actually because that sets it up a bit uh, a bit better so we began the weekend um, with and now I have to go through and subtract points from essentially just from, from just from Rosario Central. We began the weekend with Boca top of the league on 61 points, San Lorenzo second on 55 points, and Rosario Central third on 53 points. Um, to add a little bit of intrigue into this, we should also mention that Racing were, uh, oh, that you were fourth in fact, you're still fourth now, aren't you? That uh, you were fourth at the start of the, of the weekend with 50 points. Um, Obviously, now, none of these matches have been played. There are two games left, so that's six points to play for. And for the benefit of those who don't know, first place wins the league. There's no final or anything, which is why I say that. Um, second place gets 
first and second place get automatic spots in next year's Copa Libertadores group stage. Third, fourth, fifth and sixth. And for the moment, we will leave it there, but we will get on to uh, permutations of how these might not end up happening quite this neatly a bit later. But for now, third, fourth, fifth and sixth place go into playoffs for the Copa Libertadores. That's not the Copa Libertadores playoffs. It's Argentine League playoffs, the winners of which will get into the Copa Libertadores playoffs because the Copa Argentina winners also do but again we'll get on to that a bit later um, what this meant was that San Lorenzo away to Olimpo de Bahia who didn't really have very much to play for except for possibly um, a Copa Sudamericana and possibly a nice backhander from, from Boca it, it did be the first time well. a team's been yes. incentivized and, and also it's worth mentioning uh, as we did mention in fact last week because Mystic Sam went for a draw in that match I went um, for a draw too in, in that Olimpo don't have a particularly strong record they're 18th this season they've got 7 wins 12 draws and 9 defeats after this weekend's matches um, but they're not easy at all to beat in Bahia Blanca I think of those 9 defeats I think only 2 have been in at home this year um, but they, they lost the tournament when they got a draw against Tigre the, the very last minute with Rincon Gol mm. <clears throat> that, I think that was like the the it reflects the, the, the state of mind of the, player, the players and, and how uh, you can manage to, to, to get a, a win that you are you have uh, been you, you got the, 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 the advantage and you couldn't you couldn't uh, manage it and, and, and you got uh, the, you, re, you can see the goal in the last very last minute with, with so many so uh, with only a few of, of rounds to go yeah. that means everything. But they were still in touch. And what San Lorenzo had to hope for and what Rosario Central had to hope for was that they would win and that Boca would lose. Um, obviously, Boca could have won the league if the other two had, had lost and Boca had got a win. Or, sorry, if, if San Lorenzo had lost and Central hadn't won and Boca had won. Um, we've already read out the results. So what happened was that San Lorenzo lost 2-1 away to Olimpo. Rosario Central got a very, well... I'd say very impressive, but really for them it's now just starting to look routine. But they were very, very good against Argentinos Juniors, as they have been week in, week out, and got a 2-0 win. Um, and what that meant was that Central leapfrogged um, San Lorenzo to go second with 56 points. San Lorenzo remain on 55, and Boca had 61. So Boca five points clear. Boca knew that a win away to the Racing on Sunday night would have handed them the title. They weren't going to be allowed a lap of honour in front of Racing's fans. Obviously, there were no Boca fans in the stadium. Um, or, well, there might have been one or two, but they were not there was. Boca, I'll, very not I'll get on to that when, okay. when I tell you about the game. And, um, and there we go. So, in Bahia Blanca, first of all, it was a very good game. I thought the matches were played more or less simultaneously. Uh, Olimpo San Lorenzo and Central Argentinos both kicked off at... Uh, they're both scheduled to kick off at 10 past 4 Central Argentinos kicked off 5 minutes late and then Tigre against Banfield which didn't matter at all for the title race also kicked off at quarter past 4 and that was a very good game possibly because there was less pressure on it than any of the others but I was watching all three I had one on the computer another one on the computer and one on, the, uh, on my girlfriend's computer and one on the TV um, and it was uh, confusing and gave me a little bit of a headache by the time they'd all finished which might have been why I wasn't paying full yeah. attention to the river match afterwards um, but it was very entertaining stuff. Tigre Banfield was good. Tigre got a 3-1 win. Nothing to mention there. The title race was irrelevant to it. But uh, Olimpo got the win fully deserved, I thought, against San Lorenzo. They were very, very good, very compact. They attacked at pace. They scored twice about 
well, one right before half-time and one very early in the second half. Um, and San Lorenzo didn't have much of an answer to them. Central, as we've already said, were very impressive indeed. And then came Racing versus Boca that evening. And this is where English Dan is going to take up the battle. Thank you, Sam. I was reading Eduardo Sacheri the other day. Um, a short story from him, he's an Argentine author. And he made the point that uh, in Argentine culture, and this is a horrible generalisation, but in, kind of, in popular Argentine culture, one enjoys more um, the, the misfortune of others than the, your own success. Funnily enough, we're just watching the Argentina under-17 team play Germany under-17s at yes. the under-17 World Cup, which I think is one of the most pointless tournaments in the world, but anyway. Um, and it just so happens that in German, there's a word for that. A Schadenfreude. Indeed. I quite like Interesting the, um, coincidence. Yeah, I quite Can't like the Argentine word, like the Decracia Ajena. It's got a nice ring to it. But. With that in mind, you'll probably understand why Racing's 3-1 win to ruin Boca's chances of uh, finishing champions this week was probably the, um, the most celebrated result since Racing won the championship. And if it hadn't been for those two games against Guadalcruz and Rubio at the end, it would have been the most celebrated game since Independiente went down to the second division and we had a funeral for him. And I must it say, was an electric atmosphere. Not, only, not only celebrated, of course, by Racing fans either, but no. um, it was a fantastic game. I was watching on the TV, but Dan, tell us, tell us about these infiltrated Boca fans, first of all. Yeah, this happened just uh, about two minutes before kickoff, and there was a, a big... Um, Big shoving match, a few punches thrown in in the terraces about 10, 15 metres from, from where I was standing. And no one really understood what was going on until, you know, when you're in the terraces, word starts, word starts going around and it's sort of a game of Chinese whispers. And we had, Inche Walker, Inche Walker. Mm-hmm. And they're basically, yeah, five guys who were apparently infiltrated and they were given their marching orders. They were shoved, kicked around a bit, and then sent out of the stadium with, with their heads bowed. That sounds... Um, either you're understating things severely or it's nowhere near as bad as, as one that I saw. I remember going to see Vélez Boca towards the end of... I think it must have been 2010. And there was a Boca fan in the Home Popular. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing... I was sitting in the, in the, the platea, the seated section, the Popular at the terrace behind the goal. Um, and seeing him being... <coughs> kicked and just rolling down the stone steps of the terrace with blood pouring out of his head it was um, but was this because he had just celebrated a goal no it was before the match, ah, before the match. he'd gone into the middle of the popular taken off his Vélez shirt and had a Boca shirt on underneath and he started jumping up and down well chatting. he's an idiot then exactly. these guys no, he clearly yeah. had a death wish but um yeah these guys weren't showing any explicit signs of being Boca fans but I'm guessing someone saw a glimpse of a sh- of a shirt or a tattoo or something and mm. no it was uh, relatively civilised let's say uh, they only got slapped around a bit and they were sent all the way through the Racing Popular which uh, you know Sam or our listeners will know if they've seen Racing on TV is quite a monolithic stand with no police no stewards or, mm. or anything but they got out okay I think the difference was this was a little bit away from the barra. if the barra got involved uh, it could have ended a little bit differently yes. but it's an interesting uh, kind of sociological experiment to see how um, how kind of stadiums police themselves this way you know you, <laughs> in, a, 
<laughs> say it like that. Uh, yeah. You know, against the massive crime of not supporting the team. You know, others drug use, feeling is is fine, but not supporting the team is is far far more serious. Indeed. But so back to the game. game. Yeah, it was a much better performance from Racing than we've seen. Of course, uh, pulsating first. Pulsating, half in yeah. It was interesting. It's this would probably come straight out of a, a tactical manual. But Racing, having suffered the losses of both Milito and Pavoni, leaving Boas the only first-choice centre-forward fit, decided only to play with one one striker, and Shokora played a much more attacking game. Almost as if putting another creative person in there who gets forward, can run and, and make chances... Improves your team. It's Namely Oscar rare. Romero, right? Who started rather than coming off the bench. No, Romero's been playing quite regularly. It's, you had Romero in the middle and then two speedsters, um, Acuna and Noir, uh, pushing out wide. And also uh-huh. the two fullbacks, uh, Pichuda and Boboril, who are also very good in the overlap. In fact, the first they started two the, goals the place came for from the, that. Yeah, they started the, the place for the first and second goal. The, yeah. the penalty weren't from a... From um, what? From Boril bomb yes. forwards and yeah. fed in ball, and then that went to Romero. The shot hit Catadias's hand, and he was sent off. Rightly, uh, I'd say. Mm. Um, and then the first goal was was lovely. A bombing run down from Pichul, which he does every seven months or so, just to give you this hope that he will actually turn <laughs> into a proper attacking fullback. It'll never happen. How old is he? Twenty eight. Mm, 27 yeah 28 okay. but he does this every 7 months he looks like he's ready to become the next great fullback he did it when he first came to Racing and it's, it's clockwork every 6-7 months he'll bomb down the bomb down the wing put in a perfect cross set up this time Acuna who used that big so hit he, uh, he's surprised you know, because he's not a, effect. He's, a, he's not too, too tall and but no but the cross was so pinpoint he and the contact was the most insane so Russian supporter would say Martino Pichot is, is Argentine because uh, I remember saying that four years ago yeah. I remember you saying it on here time, time has borne me out I think mm. <laughs> he's definitely Argentine <laughs> I reckon if we went through a few of the picks we've had for the national team over the years there'd be a few red faces probably but yeah and then yeah, it was a strange game two red cards for Boca um, two penalties one converted by Bow and one in the last minute converted by Saka who got one over on his ex-teammate which he's not particularly fond of back from the San Lorenzo days Orion. it was the first time that Racing have uh, sorry the bizarre thing actually about this stat is that it wasn't the first time that Racing have claimed a 3-1 home win against Boca with two different penalty goal scorers there we go uh, the previous time was in 1972 apparently uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that's a stat something that I learned when the match finished no, so it was thoroughly enjoyed from from the home side. It's always great to see Boca fall flat in the face. But at the same time, it was quite alarming to see our team, who is most likely even with this result, are gonna are gonna finish champion. Just the way they imploded, you know, mm. the the deck was a bit against them. Brasil were playing well, and they just couldn't handle it. It's kind of this typical. Boca thing of losing your head, getting players sent off, doing stupid things, and Diaz took five minutes to leave the pitch. Yeah, I mean it was a clear cut, 
handball. There was no way that he no, there's no any, doubt about it. No any argument it. about it whatsoever, and yet he did argue very long and very loud indeed. Yeah. Um, Could that possibly add another game onto his suspension? I don't know. Yes. I'm guessing professional well, he, fouls he, one game. So yes, the referee is middle finger yeah. as well, didn't he? While he went off, so fingers. There, 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 do, there are people that don't, that don't give importance to these gestures, but he's mm. not the first time. He does it. Of course, uh, we can talk uh, a full episode about gestures, which is not ideal. But in the case of Daniel Diaz, is is his repetitive. He, he has been repeating this, yeah. this kind of things, and this made a, a journalist uh, criticize him, criticize Cata Diaz, and, and and the response from his wife was was I will I will go to the channel and, and look for you and with and, a posh of in your yes, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, the other red card was for Christian Erebes with 14 minutes to go, and I have to confess I've completely forgotten what that one was for. No, a second booking went in a bit late, and there wasn't really any argument about the, but as, about the decision. Um, Orion was another who was, was very lucky to stand the yes. field because the whole fucking game he just moaned and moaned and moaned and complained and got in the referee's face, and no, no. Long-term listeners will be fully aware of Hadler Pond's editorial opinion of Agustin Orion, uh, so we won't repeat it right will now. Will this be but, um, sorry uh, important, of course, because Daniel Diaz is the cap- captain of Boca, uh, to uh, of, they can win one nil with uh, Tevez goal and that will be enough to, to be champions. But uh, this uh, so these sending offs are key for the team, or, of course, apart from Daniel Diaz, Airbus. The names themselves, but uh, for the team, for the players, for this thing of Tebe saying we can't uh, uh, finish the match with nine men, it will be important or well, no, they will. The thing is that Tebe is right, isn't it? I mean, he's been criticised by by some Boca fans apparently for no, it's because hanging out the it's because in Boca world. No Boca red cards deserved, and it's all because there's a massive conspiracy against the team. Mm. They're all innocent angels, and if they receive any sending office because the refs are bent or river fans or whatever, they got this kind of like victim complex, which is similar to and other teams. In fact, in which I won't. La Volpe has been interviewed these days because of they they reminded that uh, we also mentioned last episode about the 2006 final because they couldn't get a point in three in three matches and. And, and played the final against Estudiantes, lo- lost it, and now La Volpe has been interviewed because of, of that. You know. Yeah, the ghosts and start, start emerging, right? And that is game. worth bringing up because we have a tantalising prospect, and it's not, it probably, as Dan says, it's not going to happen. Probably Boca are going to win the league anyway, they are five points clear. Yeah, even with go. two draws, they've got it in the back. But they don't have the easiest running. No, no, no. First of all, Rosario Central are the team five points behind them and Rosario Central are going through the rest of the league like a runaway train at the moment. Um, Boca have got a home match against Tigre in a week and a half because this weekend coming there are no matches in Argentina because, well actually that's not quite true. This weekend coming there are no league matches in Argentina in the top flights or in the lower divisions in fact because of uh, the presidential elections. Um, there are two matches on Friday evening. The Copa Argentina semi-finals are being played on Friday evening. Um, but uh, apart from that, there are none, which means that the league reconvenes in a week and a half. Uh, Boca are at home to Tigre. And then on the last weekend, obviously if Boca win 
at home to Tigre, then they're fine. If they get a point at home to Tigre, then they'll be on to 62, Central, 62, Central can go to 59. So if Boca yes. get a point at home to Tigre and Central win, then Boca will be three clear with a game to go. And that game to go is away to Rosario Central. I can't be the only person hoping, and this isn't even because of any anti-Boca feeling, although none of us are denying that, that all three of us, I think, harbour some of that. Um, but I can't be the only person hoping, just from a purely neutral point of view. I really hope Boca drop points in the next match and the Central get theirs and that we can get some kind of final. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that anyone who's I, not a Boca fan or a Newell's fan is is going to be written first in these, in these ideally, fixtures. Ideally, it would be a Boca defeat and a Central win because then that would mean that the league will be decided on that last weekend. Whereas, obviously, if Boca go in having drawn and three points clear and the two teams end up level on points after that final yeah, match, they'll have to play. play again to decide the title and that will take some of it away, I think. But um, it, it would be epic. Mm-hmm. And it, particularly after a lot of people have sort of said, Central are playing very well and everything, but, you know, the Rosario Central, they're not going to win the league. <laughs> for, for Caudet to manage that in his first campaign, full campaign as manager, after the state they were in when he took over, the, the, the campaign they had in the second half of last year was atrocious. Um, it would be quite a turnaround. Um, yeah, more than deserved. They've been the form team, they've been... Excellent. I think they've only lost two games all season, which which says a lot. And, and those were a lot of those and um, and to someone else. And to hang on a second, I'm trying to find their uh, their record. They lost against River. Yeah, they lost uh, away to River at the point when River was still trying in the league, mm-hmm. and away to Kilmes. Oh yeah, when right Salah at the start of Kilmes' astonishing run. Yeah. That um, was a hell of a game. In their last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, in last eight games, they've got six wins and two draws. Uh, one of those draws was in the classic goal against Newells uh, in that match that was incredibly high pressure and the, there were several people who thought the two teams might have just agreed to draw there because, because of the atmosphere in the city beforehand and the way the match actually got played, which was that neither of the sides appeared to be trying that much. And the other game, of course, was away to San Lorenzo a couple of rounds ago. So neither of those are by any means poor results. Mm. Um, in the other matches, they, they've been absolutely superb. Yeah, they've had, they had a brilliant start and they've, they've had a brilliant finish to the league, basically. They won yeah. five to begin with and now they've, they're determined to win all, all of their last games. And they've got... Yeah, Banfield away is... It'll be tricky. But it's, it's a very winnable game, yeah. Um, Since Banfield don't really have that much to play for. Oh, they're on well, the verge of the Libertadores, but I don't got, know how conscious they are of that. This is the next subject, isn't it? Who has got what to play for? We've been recording for 38 minutes, so I think that we're going to... We don't have any of the big five left, do we? But first of all, we'll, we'll quickly whip through other notable games. I've mentioned Tigre Banfield already. That was very entertaining. Um, Gimnasi against Tempoli. Tempoli against Gimnasi on uh, yesterday evening, yesterday afternoon, was um, a pretty decent match when it eventually got played. I enjoyed it. A couple of good goals. Um, but nothing much more to say. We've already talked about the uh, Chicago and Colón um, 1-2, which was the main uh, story from the yeah. lower half of the table, although we should as well give a mention to Godoy Cruz, yeah. who won their first match under Gabriel Heinze after the Copa uh, America came back. Of course, that was 3-0 at home to Godoy Cruz. I don't think they got another 3-0 win. 3-0 at home to Godoy Cruz. Godoy Cruz. Uh, 3-0 at home to Crucero del Norte. Sorry, thank you for the correction. Um, I don't think that they got another win under um, Hengse. I'm no. trying to bring up their record now. They're there. Give us a second. 
Yes, they did. They beat San Martin 2 1 as well. Oh, the classic. Classic on Los Angeles um, uh, away. But they lost the vast majority of their other games. And then Daniel Obra took over again. He was the manager who was caretaker manager for the first half of the season before the Copa America. Um, since he took over, they have played two matches and they've won two matches, scoring seven goals and conceding one. Which, given that they scored three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, Ten goals in eleven games under Hainsey, um, I think it's respectable. I mean, they've, they've been at home to Temple and away to Atletico de Rafaela, so it's not exactly difficult. No, they're not the, But all the same, that turnaround in form is such a, a um, such a short period of time. I think suggests more than anything that uh, perhaps Gabriel Hainsey is not um, quite the manager that we were hoping he would be given that we're talking about somebody who played under both Marcelo Bielsa and Sir Alex Ferguson. You know, or perhaps, he he's, trying to, to live up perhaps to. he's trying to mix the two and it's just not going well. You know, these, there can't be many people who've, who've played under Bielsa and Ferguson. I'm 99.9% certain that Hainsey is the first manager to have played under both. Who, to no, not even just manager, just both player, to, yeah. And then to become a manager. Uh, but yeah, you're right, there probably aren't all that many players to begin with, which is one reason I'm so confident about my... <laughs> My prediction. Uh, I suppose Veron could be another one, couldn't he? But um, ah, Veron in. But of course, he's not a manager. He's a, he's a president, and he's unlikely yes. to become a manager as a result. You would think. Yeah. Well, you yeah, never know. This is Argentina, yeah. after all. Anything's possible. Um, we might see Macri managing Boca one day. Fingers crossed. Better than him becoming president, surely. I think he's um, got more chance of coaching Boca than. Handball is entirely politically neutral, and I did not say that last thing. Uh, especially if you're listening to this in a week's time, President Mauricio. Um, well, tell you, he's got no chance in hell of being the president next week. <laughs> well, no, true. Yeah, he, he may or may not have. Uh, he won't have been sworn in at least. So there's that. Yeah. Um, Let's leave this for politics. The I was yes, I was going somewhere with with that before I got sidetracked by the uh, humour. However, that was an attempt at humour. Um, and I can't remember where it was. Basically, Daniel Aldra probably a better manager than Gabriel Hainsey. There we go. Controversial statement, but it just might be true. At least we, we know that he will be called when whenever there is a coach sacked. Yeah, I think this yeah. is now his fifth caretaker spell at Godoy Cruz or something. Yeah. I mean, he basically just goes back to coaching the youth teams in between, and then when, when they sack a manager, he steps up again. Huracan um, followed their 3 0 win over Sarmiento up on Tuesday evening with a 1 0 win over Defensor Sporting in the first leg of the Copa Sudamericana quarter final. Um, I missed most of that match because I was cooking but whenever I did come through and look at the television uh, Defensor Sporting appeared to be attacking so I'm going to guess Orakan's goal came in something like the 88th minute um, I'm going to guess that it was quite a fortunate win and that the second leg ought to be very very nicely set up indeed the remaining Sudamericana quarterfinals as we've already mentioned River Plate host um, Chapecoense of Brazil um, in their first leg in 45 minutes now and tomorrow evening Independiente are at home to Independiente um, Independiente are Independiente's own worst enemies for that time thank but you the I'm second Independiente will have the great Costas who's going to be very keen to get one over on Independiente indeed Independiente. Uh, the, the away Independiente tomorrow night Thursday night uh, are Independiente Santa Fe of Colombia in case anybody is too confused but we are going to take a break now and refill our glasses and when we come back we are going to, first of all, to talk about some of what I mentioned a little bit earlier 
about the potential complications of the Libertadores and Sudamericana playoffs and why the Libertadores in particular might not turn out to be third down to sixth. Um, secondly, about the, uh, the, the Copa Sudamericana semi-finals. I suppose we should preview those a little bit. Um, and thirdly, about... Copa Sudamericana, sorry, yeah, you're right. I didn't know, I meant Argentina. Um, and thirdly, uh, we're going to answer some listeners' questions, so don't go mm. anywhere. during the break you might be able to hear some uh, uh, violin in the background that's not my hi-fi uh, it's a gentleman just across the street who's practicing uh, I rather enjoy it my girlfriend doesn't like it for some reason but I do <laughs> anyway uh, you might not be able to hear it on the other hand I can hear it through the earphones and therefore I'm assuming that the microphone's picking it up um, what, were we, what were we going to talk about first of all we were going to talk about the qualifying places for the various cups first we were, weren't we? The way, as we've already said a couple of times, in fact, that the league, um, that the playoffs work this season is, in theory, first and second take automatic Libertadores spots, third, fourth, fifth, sixth play in playoffs and then uh, for the Libertadores, and then seventh down to 18th play in playoffs to get into the next year's Sudamericana. In practice, this is going to be complicated slightly by a couple of factors. The first is that the winners of the Copa Argentina take an automatic Libertadores spot as well and if the winners of the Copa Argentina finish in one of the automatic spots in the league the runners-up take it and if both of the finalists are the two who finish in the automatic spots for the league one of the semi-finalists takes it and I'm not sure how they decide then I think it's highest league placement um, and the Copa, Sudamerica, uh, the Copa Argentina semi-finalists are Boca Juniors Rosario Central <laughs> you'll have spotted the problem here already listeners because you're very attentive um, <laughs> Racing and Lanús. Lanús. And who's playing who? Boca Lanús and Racing Rosario Central. Thank you very much, Andres. So there is a very real possibility um, that we could have a Boca Central final in the Copa Argentina and a Boca Central final in the league. <laughs> That'd be fun, wouldn't it? Um, Which would mean Racing would go through to the Levadores directly. Indeed. As the best place semi finalist. Yes, indeed. Yeah, exactly. Boca and Central finish first and second in the league. And um, and both reach the Copa Argentina final. Uh, Racing go through automatically. Indeed, if if Boca Central finish first and second in the league, and Lanús don't reach the Copa Argentina final, basically, then then Racing have that qualification spot, which then means that we have to take out one of the third to seventh for the Libertadores and bump it down a position. Mm-hmm. So it could be between third and eighth. Now eighth place at the moment are River Plate who are in next year's Libertadores anyway, because they won this year's Libertadores. And therefore, you'd have to go down to ninth, which is Tigre at present. But then there's also the, the, the chance, still, because the this year's uh, best Argentine side of the Copa Sudamericana also get a Copa Libertadores qualification spot. Mm. But of course, there are three teams 
Argentine sides currently in the Copa Sudamericana at the quarterfinal stage River Plate Independiente Huracan and River Plate as we just mentioned are already in next year's Copa Libertadores which means it's between Independiente and Huracan and if Independiente um, get that particular uh, bauble well they're also currently in the top 8 and therefore it would drop down to 10th so there's the possibility um, for the moment we should also clarify that uh, we've just been informed by our um, resident expert on, on all of this kind of stuff which uh, who's uh, Federico um, who I very quickly tweeted during the break to ask him uh, that if both Oracan and Independiente go out of the Copa Sudamericana at the quarterfinal stage it's decided the tiebreak is whoever's highest in the league so that would be Independiente because they're mathematically assured of finishing above Oracan um, in the league this season um, so we have the possibility that we'll have for example the top two Boca and currently Central um finishing in, in the uh, automatic spots and then we'll have playoffs between third placed San Lorenzo sixth placed Estudiantes seventh placed Belgrano and ninth placed Tigre um, for the other two spots I think it is for the mm-hmm. Copa Libertadores the losers of those playoffs then go into the Sudamericana playoffs who will also be severely complicated because of course you've then got to bump everything down from 18th down to 20th or 21st some of those sides might well be in the Sudamericana next year for instance if Huracan go all the way and win it and then also manage to finish in the top 20 of the league you could have teams um, who are finishing outside the top 20 of the Argentine first division in other words who are finishing outside what the Argentine first division should be um, and yet who are going to be playing continental football next season <laughs> and some people say the 30 team leagues are a bad idea yeah can't understand that. It's also so, tremendous fun. Just uh, for a little bit of fun, since this whole Ligisha thing, the playoffs are so open, what teams this year have a realistic chance, or at least a mathematic chance, of, ooh, another goal for Germany, Argentina, and 2 0 down in the 17th? What teams have a mathematical chance still of playing their first Libertadores next year? I can see Kilimis would be up there, I don't know. The Libertadores, so if they can finish ninth, Tigre currently in ninth on 45 points, so basically you're saying which teams can still finish on 45. Yeah, uh, basically, so got, instead of going through the whole list, like who could be debutants? He's got 39 or more, so it's everybody down to Union, who are 13th at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Union, Gimnasia, Quilmes and Banfield mm-hmm. uh, are the teams. Banfield have been in it before, Quilmes mm-hmm. haven't, have they? I don't think so. Uh, Gymnasium must have been because they yeah. finished runners-up in the league a, a few years ago. Union, I'm sure, haven't. And Lanús, of course. Oh, Lanús can't finish in, in, in those spots. Uh, so it's mm. between Quilmes and Union. Belgrano, have they been in there? Ah, no, you're right. Belgrano haven't been in the Libertadores. They've played a couple of Sudamericanas last year and this year. Yeah. Um, but they've not been in the Libertadores before and they're currently seventh. So very, very much um, in with a, a shot at the Libertadores spots because of other teams qualifying above them because, of course, they're not in the official... Libertadores playoff places um, but in practice they will be probably as long as they finish in the position they're in at the moment there we go that would be one hell of a turnaround for for Quilmes it would if they manage to get a Libertadores spot with you know having been right down there when Facundo Sava took over and played really good football you probably put them up there with Central as, as one of the best teams in, in the second half of the season right yeah without a doubt yeah yeah definitely um, the other thing, of course, is that we might have some sides being able to make their debuts in the Sudamericana. 
Oh, um, Sudamericana album got Who's mathematically clean. with the hope of finishing in the Sudamericana spots? Well, nah, if we stretch it, we can't go for what we've already said. <laughs> That's it, just too many. Let's things. say down to 21st, but then let's say Huracan fluke their way to the Sudamericana win, which puts them into the next year's Sudamericana as well. Sarmiento are currently 22nd on 30 points, which means that if you have 24 points or more, no, you go all the way down to 26. You still have a chance of, win, of being in next year's Copa uh, Sudamericana. Arsenal are currently 27th with 24 points. So, literally, everybody apart from Atletico de Rafaela, who I think are now already safe from relegation and also can't get into the Sudamericana, mm-hmm. and obviously Cruzeiro del Norte, who are down, Chicago is still playing to, to stay up for the moment, and everybody else can still qualify for the Sudamericana if they get lucky and the right teams win the right competitions above them. There we go. And people said this was a ridiculous idea for a, a, yeah. a league system, as you already said, Dan. Um, you don't get this in Europe, like you know, you finish a season in Europe and half the half the table don't have anything to play for. That doesn't happen in Argentina. We guys, no. we keep going until the bitter end. Two games to go, and literally there are two teams who don't have anything to play for out of thirty. There we go. Best league in the world. Best league in the world. Fourth um, the the. the, the Minor divisions were hard to understand. The Primera B, Primera C, the Primera B Nacional. Now it's all a big. Uh, <laughs> now we don't have a clue what's going on ever. No. Uh, what else did we say we were going to talk about? The Copa Argentina, which we touched on there. You're quite right. The semi finals are coming up on Friday, and as we've already said, they are Lanús against Boca and Racing against Central. I've got exactly. that the way around, didn't I? Racing against Central at 9 o'clock in Salta and Lanús Boca at 7 in San Juan. Are we looking forward to them? I'm very much looking forward to this game. Uh, ever since Racing sort of fell out of the, the title race but kept going strong in the Copa Argentina, we thought, right, Copa, the Copa Argentina is going to be the best chance to get um, a bit of silverware. And No, they've got, um, they got a very good chance of doing so, I think. Um, the big loss for Racing is likely to be Gustavo Bow is is struggling to get back for for this game, but Pavon is going to be there, even though the Copa Argentina website have got a big picture of Bow there because they interviewed him. Because they interviewed him. Uh, so go Ole. There we go. He's he's a star and Bow. Do you think we all we all took the piss out of him when he first came to Racing? Absolutely. Um, but yeah it's going to be interesting because you think with the exception of Lanús they're all you know the other three teams are in really good form and going strong mm-hmm. and Lanús have managed to get through this this far because they themselves have, have significantly stepped things up in the Copa Argentina yeah you think Even that since they haven't really had much to play for in the league they've been focusing a bit more on the Copa than, than other teams definitely some of the some of the sides who've who've been up there in the uh, in the Copa Argentina as well as the league and have dropped dropped out like the San Lorenzo um, Lanús path through the Copa so far yeah should we do um, should we do some paths let's do all of them yeah Lanús first of all they've beaten Atletico Tucumán Nueva Chicago Independiente and Vélez to get this far pretty respectable way for it indeed uh, Boca have beaten Huracán Las Heras Banfield Guarani Antonio Franco and Defensa Justicia Fairly easy, but not you know. quite the, the same standard Lanús have managed, but still not bad. Um, Racing have gone through Independiente de Neuquén. Thank you, I thought that was an N, but it's not, it's an N. Um, 
beaten Tigre, they've beaten Atlanta in the Edwards Derby, mm-hmm. um, and they beat San Lorenzo in the quarterfinals. That's also respectable. And Central have beaten Lin- uh, no, sorry, River beat Linares de Blanca. Central beat Deportivo Riestra, um, one of the very few clubs in world football who were once desperate enough to employ Diego Maradona in their coaching staff. If he's still employed. No, he's not. The, he's um, he was a their spiritual, the spiritual uh, guru. Yeah. Half time. In one match. No, but I think it's I think it's still there. No, he's, he drops. He comes around every. It, it gives a, it gives yeah. results at this to the to the rugby national team was. Yeah, he's moved up from yeah. Riestra. But you think last year Maradona came to Riestra and they got promoted straight away, and they're doing pretty well, well in the Premier League. Well, so. for, we, we are you, you scoff. You scoff at Maradona's motivational yeah, techniques. But we are laughing, but those three times he went down to the Rietra training ground have obviously made yeah. a difference. We are laughing, but for a Primera B or Primera C player to yeah, to, to watch Maradona live, it's really really shocking. For any player, I think yes. even you know even an Argentine Argentine national international. But for more, more, even more, even more for a player that p- perhaps works in a bakery and then goes to train and plays the matches that they have to play, and, and here it is Maradona. They can't believe it. I think if you work in a bakery, Maradona will probably be onto you to get some free croissants. But you know. anyway, as we say, Rosario Central past Deportivo Riestra, River Plate, uh, Ferro, and Estudiantes to get this far. So harder. Harder fixture, mm. yes. And they were finalists last year, losing to They were, yeah, you're quite right. So obviously it's the semi-final stage, so pointing out that all of them have beaten some decent sides so far isn't really much of a surprise. Um, but they should be, I'm looking forward to them. Free yeah. weekend, I'm slightly annoyed there on the Friday evening because I was, pla- normally when I have a weekend of not having to watch any Argentine football <laughs> at all, I head to the pub on Friday evening and enjoy a couple of pints. And I might not be able to do that this Friday, it depends whether the pub are going to be showing the matches or not. But it's very good to see them, you know, you've got these two games that will be prime time this weekend and will be on the front page of the newspapers. Mm. Because otherwise, the Copa Argentina games tend to be hidden midweek, play, uh, teams use uh, kind of mixed teams or reserve teams, and they do, they do keep it, yeah, take it seriously. But one, one thing up, to, to, up to a point now, all four teams are going to be... Uh, using their starting lineups, there's going to be no resting players because obviously the weekend is otherwise a, a football free zone thanks to the leader, um, which gives gives the the tournament a big plus. And then obviously in the final we're going to have the same. Uh, it's going to be starting lineups only. So this kind of thing does help give it a certain credibility. Uh, and there's a question here because the, I remembered while you were talking about why I wanted to talk about the Copa Argentina. And the Libertadores and Sudamericana playoff places, along with the, the Sudamericana um, and teams who are left in that in, in one section. Do we have a definite date for the final yet for the, of the Copa Argentina? Um, I don't think we do. A do very we? good question. I'd be very surprised. We don't. No. There's been nothing scheduled yet. The reason I ask is that, as we've already said, the winners. Uh, or potentially one of the semi-finalists or potentially the runners-up but somebody of this last four is going to get an automatic Copa Libertadores qualifying spot Um, we've already told you that if both Huracan and Independiente go out of the Copa Sudamericana at the quarter-final stage Independiente will go through as the best Argentine side in the Sudamericana because obviously even if River go further than Independiente they're already in the Libertadores next year whatever Um, 
What we failed to say earlier, however, what I was leaving for now, was that if Huracan and Independiente both get through to the semi-final of the Copa Sudamericana, then they play against each other. And the semi-finals of the Copa Sudamericana finish after the Libertadores playoffs are currently scheduled to begin. Which is a bit of a problem, because as we say, if Independiente are the best Argentine side in the Sudamericana, they shouldn't be in the Libertadores League playoffs, because they'll be qualified anyway automatically. And therefore, you've got to bump it down a position. Um, I love the way you're literally the only journalist in Argentina that's taken the time to think of these things. There's I had a no conversation. other commentators. I was having a, a Twitter. Con- I was this. having a Twitter conversation with Fede about precisely this last night, which is why I wanted to bring it up now. It's kind of like this logic Afro, overload, and it's not just journalists. The Afro themselves don't yeah. appear to have thought of it. They don't appear to be aware at the moment that if Huracan, by the way, just to clarify, if Huracan and Independiente both reach the semi-finals of the Sudamericana, they will play each other. Um, the the tree puts them together um, at, at that round. They, they and so we're not going to know who should be in the playoffs, no shit, will, until potentially after the playoffs. They will arrange a match to decide it or something like that, like they did with Boca against Vélez. But the Boca Vélez <coughs> thing was to do with league classifications, and also it was a match that they shouldn't have been playing anyway. Boca lost out because it was decided by goal difference, and that's what the AFL um, regulations for that season said, and Boca appealed it. And, for some reason, they, they could perfectly g- say, "Okay, well, Independiente Huracan have to play a match to decide <laughs> which team goes to the Copa Libertadores yeah. and which team goes to the Copa Sudamericana." Uh, even though they, they have, it has been already decided because of the positions of the table and, and the Sudamericana. And even that match, which of course ended up to decide the 2013-14 um, season spot in the in this year's Libertadores, it ended up being played this January. It should have been played within three days of the end of that season. And the fact that it wasn't ended up costing, I think it was Quilmes, a spot in this year's Sudamericana. Because Boca, having won that playoff spot, shouldn't have been playing in the Sudamericana last year. Which, of course, they ended up reaching the semi-finals and losing to River. They shouldn't have been in it because um, the only way that you can play in both the Libertadores and the Sudamericana now, if you're an Argentine club, is to... Well, to win one of them and qualify for the other, and, and then you, you qualify for the one that you won by virtue of being the defending champions. Um, it's all very confusing. Yeah, let's not. It's clearly we'll too see confusing. what happens in December. It's clearly too confusing for the people who draw up the fucking rules because they haven't thought of it, which I think is um, both ridiculous and also depressingly unsurprising. But anyway, we're now going to get on to some listeners' questions. We have had a few, and they are. Where are they? Yes, here we are. Dan Williamson is first in, and he asks, what is going on with Leo Paredes at Roma and now Empoli, but he's not playing much? Uh, that's what's going on. Yes. I've seen no. <laughs> I completely yeah. couldn't say more. The question and his answer is not existed. Yeah. I suspect a few other people had as well. I've got a feeling Dan's given us the question and the answer there. The same thing that will happen to Guido Badala. That also, well, yeah, possibly. same thing that happened with Sergio Araujo. These guys got uh, Europe too young and just stagnate, I guess, flounder. And the other thing is that um, for a player like that, and, and, and I say this without uh, this is a comment that could come across a little more caustically than it is meant. I, I don't say this with any uh, bad feeling at all. But you're genuinely better off asking an Italian football podcast that question than us because those players simply don't get reported here. If they, if they go off to Roma and they just disappear from the map. Unless they play against Milan or Inter or, or Juventus 
And if he doesn't get then, into the pitch, we don't... Yeah. What can we say about Badala since he went to Juventus online? Nothing, because it's not been reported here at all. So mm-hmm. even if they go to one of the, the, the biggest clubs, it's still not as if there's a journalist following them around all the time. So I would say... Um, ask a Serie A podcast unfortunately done for that one sorry we should ask Fabrizio Romano he's a Sky Sports I think yeah. Very good. Yeah. Uh, Darren Paul asks what's your favourite chant mine is the ole 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 followed by La Bambas La Bamba's the one that Racing do isn't it yeah for me it's the Racing version of Karma Chameleon because it is if nothing else unique um, and obviously that the official hand of pod uh, editorial answer to the favourite chant is La Concha de Tu Madre all boys um, but gentlemen any other nominations? Um, in Racing Muchacho Tragan Vino Juega La Calle which is uh, a belter for me it's, it's not good in terms of it's a bit racist when it was singed some, it wasn't uh, with that yes it was with that meaning and now we are a bit more sensitive with these things but uh, by that times uh, it was good to, to sing Boca que asco te tengo lavate el culo con aguarras it is uh, disgusting and wash your, your ass with uh, I don't know how to say aguarras <laughs> well uh, yeah like um uh, nail varnish remover something like that as an astringent it would be <laughs> but actually that that brings me back to something I wanted to mention about the racing game on on Sunday exactly on on the theme on the topic of these charts because most listeners who have been been following us for a while will be aware that um, teams when they play against Boca like to um, make light of the fact that apparently a lot of their um, their supporters are immigrants from Bolivia or Paraguay, which I don't know if it counts as racist, but it's definitely it's xenophobic. Definitely racist. No, it's, what are you talking about? You don't know. Of course, it's racist. No, it's xenophobic. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it's definitely that's xenophobic. what I was going to say. Yeah, I, I would yeah. say it's yeah, sure. Yeah, xenophobic with undertones of racism, mm. if you want to say it like that, which. Sorry, um, I, I interrupted with that yeah. tone of voice because I thought you were replying it wasn't offensive. No, 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 no. No, it's completely offensive. Um, and when I started going to the games, this song was just sang and it was fine. But now, so I'm going to say it's more due to the fact that refs have started to um, punish hold fans, punish clubs, hold, hold on matches rather than any sudden you know, explosion of political correctness on the terrace. But I noticed on on Sun on Sunday when Rasmo playing Boca a few times the Barra tried to start with these chants oh, la mata mas uno, soy these kind of chants, there's a, there's a few of them. And it was the regular fans who just started shouting, No, shut up you idiots and going shh shh and they died out. Or from my sector of the the terraces, they started with so like these counter chants and it was actually really effective uh, they drowned them out and, and none of the, the xenophobic chants got started mm. so which ties back sort of what I was saying uh, about the self-policing in uh, terraces like what all the anti-discrimination bodies can't do and the authorities can't do once this kind of feeling gets 
gets hold in the terraces that these chants aren't acceptable and they're going to cost you, they're going to stop the game. It's, it's pretty effective because the batter don't, don't continue with a chant if, if they say it's not holding on. Yeah. So, no, it was interesting to see. And I've, I've noticed it a couple of times in, in Boca games. I don't know if you've had a, a similar experience in River or... I've got to be honest, it's, apart from the, the Super Clásicos, the last <coughs> two league home Super Clásicos, uh, home for River, um, which I've been to and, and covered, um, it's been a while since I went... Actually, I think those are the only... Yeah, but the, the, the last River home... Been the Super Clásicos, the perfect example, right? Oh, exactly, yeah, no, and, it, and it still happened. Yeah. Um, and there wasn't kind of a, mo- a resistance from the fans to try and shut them up to... Well, the stuff about the Bonito y Paraguayo, which yeah. is the, the full-on racist chant that River fans particularly always like to get out when they're playing Boca, um, was was happening. Right. Um, and, and it's something that perhaps in some ways you're seeing a bit of a move away from, but I think particularly more than anything because of the bad rap and because of the fact that very, very slowly, I think there are sections of, of particularly some clubs more than others, um, where there's a bit of a reaction like, like the one you've just described against some of the chants led by the batter maybe not always because they think they're racist or because they're going to get points taken away mm. or anything but as well because it's led by the batter and there are possibly just sometimes one or two things I remember after one particularly big um, batter Brava story a few years ago that uh, Joel came on here and he'd been at the River game that weekend I can't remember what, which which one it was that had happened, but he said that when Los Borrachos del Tablón, which is, is the, the river Barra, came in, normally um, the, there's a big chant that goes around kind of welcoming yes. to the stadium. And Joel said that that weekend it was drowned out by fans instead, just chanting, Soy de River, Soy de River, I'm a River yes. fan. I think they mentioned the that in an episode that the, yeah. the, the people, the River supporters, when the, the Borrachos del Tablón, the Barras, came into the stadium and they had their, their empty space reserved for mm. them, there is yes, there are uh, supporters singing. Llegan los borrachos del tablón, llegó la hinchada. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, the borrachos del mm-hmm. tablón have a, have a, have a right. Uh, the the supporters have have a right. It's like yeah, and it's the kind of thing that I mean, you'd like to think, I guess, that that kind of thing is is increasing, but mm-hmm. it's probably just confirmation but bias. Today, it's actually mm-hmm. not. No, it's something similar that's happened in Racing over the last year or so, which is a movement that. That took hold on on Twitter on social networks. Uh, Racing positivo, mm-hmm. positive racing. Funny enough, uh, which was basically trying to um, put forward this idea not of just looking for results, you know, shouting for the team when they're when they're winning, and then telling them all to go fuck themselves when when they're losing. Kind of show more unconditional support, which is not a hallmark of the barra. And this is reflected in the terraces because. Uh, we all know that Barra are very impatient and once the team goes behind, even a couple of games losing, they'll start seeing jugadores, la concha de tu madre, la concha de su madre and, and whatever. But now when, when these chances have come up in Racing, admittedly in a, a very good time for the club and it's a lot easier to install it when you win in titles playing the Libertadores, yeah. but when these chances kind of have circulated, there's an immediate reaction from from a, from a non-barra part of the crowd with just a, a song of support, 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 support unconditionally. 
and between and it's good. It's it's um it's reassuring to see him blessing like just more than, not necessarily rejecting the barra, but rejecting this uh, barra style support where everything's about winning. If they're not up four 0 they're all horrible and have got a go and deserve to die. Mm. So that's it's positive to see. No, no, now we turn river and look at the, the fashion chance have to do with sing with champing. Uh, el que no salta se fue la B from Boca, the one who doesn't champ uh, has really been related to the B, and uh, from River is uh, the one who doesn't champ uh, uh, has abandoned. Uh, el que no salta abandonó because of the pepper spray in that match. Yeah. That was a, probably slightly longer and more involved. Yes. That's what Darren was expecting, but we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Darren also asks, this is a question that actually somebody else has jumped in on as well, so I'm going to ask it in, in both parts. Darren's question is, will Racing keep this fine squad together enough for a run at next year's title? And then Liam Kelly uh, jumps in and says the same question uh, for Rosario Central as well. In the case of Central... No, man, are you Servi's already leaving? Who's Centrale? Cordette has apparently told the Central board that uh, Servi's going, obviously, as, yeah. as you say, that. But Pinola's unnegotiable. He wants to hold on to Ruben if it's at all possible. Pinola's, un- uh, yeah, as you say, uncertain. We have to see first if Cordette stays at Rosario Central. Mm. As well. Because yeah. they're saying that the uh, rumors that, uh, of course, the rumors and that is not to take seriously, but uh, uh, Cordette is asking for things to the board and uh, I, I heard rumors that uh, Marcelo Gallardo would go to the national team if Martino doesn't continue after the two matches upcoming from the for the qualifi- uh, qualifiers and Caudet would uh, replace him at River but oh. that's we have to see that but assuming that everybody manager wise stays where they currently are it's going to be obviously easier for Central to hang on to players than it will uh, sorry for Racing to hang on to players than it will be for Central they're a big Buenos Aires side. They're a big five mm. side. They're uh, Central, are arguably a bigger club than than uh, one or possibly two of the big five. But I think that one of the three of the big five who've been definitely bigger than Central are Racing. Um, a lot of this is going to depend on uh, Libertadores. If Racing qualify for the Libertadores, with I'm not going to go through that again because you've already heard enough. If they do, in some way or another, out of the many ways people can qualify, that gives them a lot more a lot more leverage to negotiate with players and and get them to stay on mm. two players it's going to be very hard to keep hold of Ottawa um, Wall and Lolo the central defender because these are players who could well have left could well have left yeah in in July August in the winter transfer window but were persuaded begged to to stay on until the end of the year um, Melito is looking unlikely he'll be able to play more than a peripheral role next season because uh, especially in the <laughs> second <laughs> half of this year his knees have, have basically given way and he's he's been but a shadow of the player he was in 2014 there are around the club but maybe not in a central role I don't know if he'll Oscar Romero for instance is still very young right and yes yeah. you would think you're going to be able to hang on to him for at least another year yeah yeah he's got a free for your for your contract in Racing, they, they own his contract, which is important. Ivan Pichud, nobody with any sense is going to want to buy Pichud because the likelihood of him performing as well for another club appears. No, you know, 
Slimmer than zero. Yeah. Um, you've got Carlos Nunez, the Uruguayan, who's missed almost this whole year with a cruciate ligament injury, who's uh, going to be back and he's already kind of pledged his future to Racing. And then from there, Racing will obviously go into the transfer market. I know Lisandro Lopez is the eternal hope of the, of the club. And this year might just be the year. Yeah. Um, Pinola, they wanted to bring back, but that looks like something happened. Central have, have got a good hold on him. Uh, then all the rest is, is speculation, right? We can dream about Massimo Morales, about Zuccolini coming back, maybe, or well, pick a name. Uh, we can't really say much about this until December or January. Indeed. The core of the team shouldn't go very far, but it's going to be a case of replacing Lolo and Bol, who I would be very surprised to see in the Racing shirt next year. Yeah. Uh, Darren also asks, can we explain promotion to and from Primera B? In Primera B? Primera B is the uh, Greater Buenos Aires um, zone of the third division. Yeah. Um, basically, the team who finished first... Go, up go, go straight up at the moment after 39 matches out of 42 in total mm-hmm. uh, so there are well there are more than three teams in with a mathematical possibility there are four teams with a mathematical possibility but re- realistically Atlanta aren't going to be one of them because they're uh, eight points off the lead with nine to play for um, the top three are Brown de Androgué Estudiantes de Buenos Aires and Defensores de Belgrano the first two of those have got 76 points and Defensores have got 74 points. Um, so one of those sides will take an automatic spot and then second down to ninth go into playoffs. There you go. Um, so There's that's two promotion places. from. Uh, relegation from this division is done the same two way. Two down with Romeos. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's the points average system and it is 21st and 22nd yeah. in the points average. Uh, who it's going to be Colegiales in Italiano. It's definitely going to be Sportivo Italiano. Um, and yeah, it's between Colegiales and possibly Merlo for the last spot. But it's got, it, by the look of those averages, it looks very much more like Colegiales are going to be um, in more trouble. So that's the explanation, go. Darren. <laughs> um, Leo asks how many red cards have Boca had this season? It has to be double figures. Yeah, got them. I wonder whether we have a disciplinary table on Universal Football. Let's have a look. Hang on a second. Yes, we do. Expulsados. Oh, ah, yeah, here we go. Boca Juniors have had... Ten. Ten players sent off, and they are the only... They're one of only two teams to have had double figures sent off. Union are the other. Um, so and at the other end, Central, with only one. Yes, Central have had one player sent off. Uh, River and Racing have both had two two players sent off, so we can all shake hands in the spirit of fair play during and the game. Eleven sent off against Racing. Two and four yeah, yeah, and eleven sent off. Players against, yeah. So, so Bo- Bocker, Bocker's so. matches. Oh no, actually Union's matches, sorry, have had the most red cards. They've had ten ten of their own players sent off with thirteen opposing players sent off. Rosario Central may have suffered more red cards for Coudet than for the players, perhaps because Yeah, more than once. Possibly, yeah. More than once, yeah. Well, Central have had yeah have had one one of their own players sent off, and Cordette's definitely been sent off at least twice this season. So yes, he's been the man. just uh, I'm going to look up Lanús for a second as well because we've often criticised Lanús for being very poorly managed in this respect by their own manager who has a habit of being sent off. And sure enough, they've had eight red cards, so they're up there as well. Um, Um, If we do it by penalties, just out of interest, 
penalties. Penalties, penalties, penalties. The team with the most penalties awarded in their favour are, let's see, Racing have had eight Eight. penalties given to them. That's how key left, funnily enough. So there's your traditional um, narrative about refereeing bias from when and truly out of the Boko have had eight as well. And Boko have had eight, so in fact it's not entirely for River only one. River have one penalty awarded to (laughs) Remarkable. And against, Boko have given up three. Racing have given up two. River have only conceded one. Um, Vélez have conceded seven, which perhaps is not a surprise considering that Fabian Cubero is in the team. Uh, River Plate, by the way, against Chapman. Independiente seven as well. Just kicked off, and yeah, Independiente also um, had seven penalties mm-hmm. awarded. Guessing yes. most of them in uh, Almiron age, where they were just horrible um, at the back and gave away stupid fouls pretty yeah. much every game. Absolutely. Um, other questions. Ah, Tom Robinson wants to know who is the hipster team of the thirty-team Primera. Have we not answered this before? I think by definition, any team in Argentina. Uh, is uh, a hipster team yeah. for an anglophone audience uh, Argentines don't really tend to go into um, discriminating as much against how people no you support the hipsters. team I, mean, I, I wouldn't say discriminating I, I say it in a light hearted manner uh, you probably uh, basically because of middle class and upper class Argentines I think probably about 60% of them would count in Europe as hipsters yeah. uh, <laughs> so that's the main reason you'd probably say this year Central since they've Picked up a lot of neutral support with Colette, yeah. this big, you know, cuddly figure on the on the sidelines who makes me laugh. True. Yeah, Central this year. They've got a funny manager and they're good to watch. Yes. And Darren Paul has asked one question which I'm almost certain that nobody listening apart from him really wants to know the answer to. How is my football manager career going? Uh, I will answer you separately on Twitter that down because I'm as I say certain that, that nobody else really wants to hear it and in any case I've barely played since the last update that uh, you possibly saw on Twitter um, I think that's it we have no Mystic Sam this week because there are no matches this weekend apart from the Copa Argentina semi-final but Mystic Sam doesn't do those ok then you've twisted my arm let's go for um, a final of oh, we'll go for a repeat of a final of a few years ago Boca against Racing in the final mm-hmm. is what Mystic Sam's going to say um, interesting interesting and on that note, ladies and gents, it's time to wrap up, to sit down to watch River against Chapaquense properly, and also to have some dinner, because I'm hungry, I don't know about you two. Um, we thank very much and warm-heartedly the Argentina Independent for providing our alcohol, as usual. Uh, they are a fine source of English language stories, news, current affairs, culture, photo essays, and all that kind of stuff about Argentina and about the rest of Latin America as well. And you can read them free of charge on argentinaindependent.com. This weekend they'll be particularly interesting, of course, because of the presidential elections that we have coming up. So we thank them for their fernet. Um, and I would like to thank uh, English Dan Andres for being here this evening to record with me. So thank you, first of all, to Andres. Yeah, thank you. Goodbye. And to English Dan. Thank you, and think positive, chat. And... To you, dear listeners, thank you again, and we'll see you again, or you'll hear us again, to be more accurate, next week. Goodbye. And we're back to tell you that River Plate managed to edge out Chapecoense 3-1 in the first leg of their Copa Sudamericana quarterfinal in the Monumental. Uh... Not the easiest of matches for River. They made it a bit more awkward for themselves than they needed to, but they came through in the end 
with uh, a couple of goals in the last 15 or 20 minutes or so. 